2012. This is the first podcast, 2012. This is our 20th podcast, by the way. Really? 20? Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Number 20. Did you bring a cake? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man, you guys should, listening, you should see this big Costco cake we got here in front of us. <laughs> Did you make any New Year's resolutions? No. Thanks. Did you make any <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, I did, as a matter of fact. And it was to live simply, live sincerely, and live as a servant. That really is, and do it every day, day after day after day, as it said in the Message Bible. Moved into the neighborhood, day after day after day. I just think that that's what God wants us to do. I know that's what God is saying to me to do. And I'm endeavoring to to do that. Live simply, live sincerely, and live as a servant. With every person that I interface with, whether it's my wife and my kids and my grandkids and my church community and out in the neighborhood and when I go to the grocery store and just every place, just be loving. Because that's what the gospel, we've talked about that, you know, whatever happened to the gospel of love. Well, the gospel of love is in each one of us. And if I can't be loving in traffic and hard situations, and I was watching Anthony Bourdain <coughs> the other day uh, on his new show, The Layover, and he was talking to a guy that was in Hong Kong, China. And one of the things they said is in China, there are certain things culturally that are different. And one of the things you don't see is people don't yell there. There's not a bunch of yelling, yelling at people. I was thinking, oh man, the crazy American, you know, we yell about everything. We get frustrated, we get hurt, we get upset, we go to yelling. And in the Chinese culture, it's if you're the guy that's yelling, you're the person with the problem. Mm-hmm. And they just don't do it there. There's not you know, Anthony Wardane said, so don't yell at anybody. Like I said, no, do not yell at people here. You do, even if you're frustrated, upset, you work it out, but there's no yelling. Hmm. I just thought about the gospel of love. What if Christians everywhere, you know, the salt of the earth and the light of the world and the leaven and the bread, what if every place we went, we were genuinely loving? We're just not yelling. We're just, <laughs> or just not yelling. That yeah, might set us apart, person. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'm just not yelling. That's my New, that's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> stop yelling. Yeah. Yeah, stop yelling. No more yelling. No more yelling. <laughs> and that would be hard. Yeah. I, I, it would be hard, especially, like I said, in a vehicle. Yeah, or at home with your kids. Yeah. yeah. Poor kids. Yeah. That's funny. I just read an article about setting non-realistic, I don't know. It was like non-realistic goals for New Year's resolution. Yeah. 
and how people set themselves up for failure. Yes. Like losing weight. Like people would be like, I want to lose weight, you know, 30 pounds by April. And then if you think about it, that's not healthy at all. Like you're supposed to lose like five pounds max a month or something. I don't know. There is a healthy scale in there. Yeah. You know, people that set these realistic goals. But you set yourself up for failure every year, so yeah. that can't be good. Yeah. You know, so how do you plan on keeping your, because you seem pretty sincere and, what is it, sincere? Living sincerely, or living Service. simply, first of all. Simply. First of all, simply. In other words, I, I live very frugally. I dress simply, I eat simply, I spend my money very simply, I don't have a lot of stuff, I don't need a lot of stuff. I just try to really, really simplify you know, you come to my home, it's austere, you know. I wear the same clothes all the time. You know, I eat the same meals all the time. It's just very simple. I try to uh, approach life uh, simply. And then sincerely, living sincerely, I just, I don't know, maybe it's just I'm old enough. I, I want to be real, you know. I want to be around people that are real. I want to be around people that I can be real around. Yeah. And then last one is just living as a servant. I've realized... We went up to the cabin. Our whole family went up to the cabin. Uh, we rented a cabin after the New Year's. We had a wonderful time, but I just realized how selfish I am. You know, I just it's like, I don't think of myself as a selfish person, but uh, the book I've been reading lately about missional communities, it's talking about sustained, uh, uh, sustained obedience and true, absolute true, uh, selflessness, because to be able to impact the world with Jesus Christ is going to take serving. And I just, I, I think it's just a season. I think it's what God's saying to me, but he's just like really pointing out every area of my life where I'm just serving myself from the littlest things in my life, you know, where am I not preferring others over myself? Where am I demanding to have my own way? You know, where am I turning a blind eye to those that are in need uh, around me when it's within my power to, to help, you know? Uh, so did you feel bad that you went on a vacation then? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. What I, no, we loved going on a vacation. Good, good. Because I think, <laughs> no, 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 we loved going to the cabin. It's like something we'd like to do on okay. a regular basis. But what I realized is, you know, uh, just living in one space with three families, it's like, well, I want to be in this bedroom because I have to be close to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is TMI for a podcast, but since it's just 3GT, <laughs> three guys talking, you know, I'm an older guy, so I get up and go to the bathroom like four or five times during the night. And not realizing, but you know what? I could I could be in a different bedroom. I could do something. And that's, by the second night, it's like, hey, you know what? We can trade around. You guys can have the master bedroom or, you know, you know, just little, just little things like that. You know, it's like. You know, we get dinner done and I'm just starving. It's like, well, I can just sit back and wait and let everybody be served. It's the little tiny things in life where I realize, and I know that God is bringing those to my attention because he wants me every single time 
to choose to say, you know what, I'm going to prefer Elizabeth's feelings over my own feelings. I'm going to prefer the needs of the other people around me over my own. And just every time I don't, it's like the Holy Spirit brings it to my attention, you know. Hmm. I don't know, Matt. You seem like a real servant-hearted guy. You're you're my hero in this area because <laughs> you 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 do you seem to be just like a great servant to everybody around you, and it's uh, I admire that. How how do you do it? Give me some tips. <laughs> well, I think I made I, I do think I made a conscious decision to to act like that, but it's not easy. Yeah. Um, because while I might do things for other people, I secretly store up an accounting of, of that. <laughs> the accounting system. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, I'm, my family, of course, probably, or my wife in particular, probably bears the brunt of that. Yeah. Um, just because she, um, we're around each other the most and we're so, yeah. you know, I mean, but, but that's, I mean, that's the flip side of it. You have to be careful, I think, because you can start to, to feel like, oh, I deserve something or it's time for my, time that I served myself or yeah. had my needs met. And, but, but I believe in the principle that you said of sustained service or what is, is this? Sustained service. Sustained service. Servant, uh, sustained, yeah. sustained service. And what they were talking about is a community, a missional community over time becomes known for that. The sustained obedience and the sustained servant heart and attitude. Yeah. And that's what begins to speak loudly to the community and the society around it. It's like, if I can't do it in my own home, you know, it's like one thing to say, I'm going to go down and play music as they're serving the homeless on Saturdays, one Saturday a month. That's not the missional community. That's not the mission that God has said, you know, day after day after day. I see it as, I'm beginning to see it now as not little projects here and there. Right. But he wants a lifestyle from me of every single day, and it works out. You know, like I have, uh, our, my nephew came and is living at our home. And, you know, when you've been an empty nester and you've been enjoying the empty home, just you and your wife, and it took long enough for you and your wife had to figure out to live 24 hours a day, 24-7, you know, without killing each other. And then you bring in another person. And it's like, it's, it upsets the rhythms, you know, the mm-hmm. household rhythms of the day and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's been a, uh, it's been a learning thing for me. But what I've realized is that my greatest mission in my life right now, an opportunity to actually say to someone, hey, look at the things I'm doing and learn how to do those so that someday you might be able to teach other people how to do that is the very, very best is my 18-year-old nephew living in my home right now. And I would tend to think, well, I got to go to church and I got to go here and I got to go there. And it's like, no, the base of my ministry, the base of my missional ministry really is my home. Because if it doesn't happen there, it's not going to happen authentically any other place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I read something a number of years ago as I was forming my, uh, well, let me put it this way. I had to make some changes in my life because I had been selfish. And I read Practicing as Presence by 
Brother Lawrence, I think it is. Yeah. Do you remember that? I know the book. Spiritual yeah. classic. And it was an amazing, eye-opening thing. It was all about little, doing little things constantly to remind yourself of God, to, to talk to God, to pray, pray without ceasing, yeah. in effect. And he, he used to talk about how his most spiritual moments were when he was cleaning the dishes in the monastery. Yeah. And he was just by himself. Yeah. He just had a job to do. But in his mind, he was praying and communicating with yeah. God nonstop. While his body was busy with yeah. some kind of task. And it it was like a paradigm shift in my mind. And I, and I say it this way, Nick, because when you ask me, you ask me a question about it, he's what I thought of. I thought of a little old monk who was content to clean the dishes when everybody else was off doing something else. And I've carried that thought around in the back of my head, like the ultimate... The ultimate act of a righteous man would be to sweep the floor when everybody else is done with the party. Yeah. And that thought of just a little old monk with his broom, yeah. sweeping up after everybody's gone, and just praying and just talking to God through it all, and being a servant, that's something that I've, that's sort of a picture that I've I've carried around yeah. with me. And yeah. I think... I think when we talk about God being in the little things, I, I think that's what that's what we mean. Like you, you can actually spend time with Him. Like John, we've talked about mowing the grass out here. It's like two hours of pushing a lawnmower, and yet it can be the two best hours of the week when you're out there praising God or yeah. talking to Him or communicating with Him. And I actually, I actually enjoy it for that reason. There's yeah. something, there's something about it that is is special. And if you approach it that way, that's yeah. so in that, in that way, those small things, they may seem like a chore, but they don't have to be because yeah. we like to be busy. We like to do something, <clears throat> be productive with our time. And yet you, they can also be a great moment of intimacy as well. Yeah. It's developing that in, up and out right. thing, you know, in our lives, in, up and out the... I think that as we learn to do that at a personal level, at an intimate level, cultivating that brokenness before God, that humility before God, that willingness to lay down my own needs and wants and desires to help someone else, if I cultivate that on a daily basis in the little things of life, then when God, when I have one of those intersections, you know, where my life intersects with the life of another person at a God-determined moment, when I run into one of those intersections and I'm all of a sudden struck with the idea that I have an opportunity to show the love of God here, it'll make it much easier for me to do that. <clears throat> We've been <clears throat> talking about, you know, our mission. Elizabeth and I have been talking about the mission that God has called us to in this life and just trying to really focus on that. And we're driving home from the cabin up in Flagstaff, and we stopped to get gas. It was in Flagstaff? Nothing, right? Huh? You guys went to Flagstaff? That's yeah. where the cabin was. Yeah. yeah, the cabin's up in Flagstaff. Actually, Munns Park, it's before you get to Flagstaff. Oh, yeah. Really, really pretty. Yeah. There's yeah. snow up there? Yeah, there was snow. The kids got to play in oh, the snow. It's really cold there. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's really, really, really nice. I got there. <laughs> I used to go to Heber. Yeah? I had a cabin there. We go every year. Yeah. It's just nice getting away. But we're coming home, <clears throat> and uh, we pull off one of the exits to get gas, and 
I, we swing through Taco Bell. I get a couple burros, and so we. I said, let's just pull over, you know, and, and so we pull over to this little overview uh, right there off the interstate where there's, you know, a, a market and a, a gas station and stuff like that. And we pull right up to this kind of hippie van, if, if you know what I say, me when I say a hippie van, had California plates and we drive up. And oh no, that California yeah, plates. Yeah, <laughs> California plates. That yeah. says it all. There you go. There you go. There you go. So uh, we pull up, and you know, all of a sudden, I hear a guy playing guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, and I kind of look over, and you can kind of see through the thing. There's a guitar going. You know, there's like about three or four twenty-something uh, hippies. You know, uh, and I'm sitting there eating my bean burger, and I thought, oh, man, I didn't bring my ukulele, because if I did, see, I speak that language. And it's like, I, I could have got my ukulele and said, hey, I heard you playing, let's, j- let's do some jamming, you know? And I thought, oh, I've missed an opportunity here. And I told Elizabeth, and I said, see, I love, like, I'm drawn to people like that. I'm drawn to the hippie bands and the, you know, the, <laughs> you know, the crazy vagabond musicians and stuff. So we're over getting gas, and Elizabeth goes in to the place, and a guy from the hippie van comes walking towards me, and he's got in one he's got in one uh, arm this stuffed uh, chicken rooster, a stuffed rooster, and the other one he's got a one of those red five gallon two gallon gas cans. And I'm, here I am, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, here I am, should I keep going? Yeah, finish the story. Oh, yeah. So here I am, pumping gas, and he walks in and he says, excuse me, sir, I don't, I don't mean to bother you or anything, but, you know, we're just kind of traveling through, and, uh, and we're, we're out of gas, and, you know, if you could help us, that would be great, and if you can't, you know, I'm sorry to bother you, and. I said, yeah, man, I'll help you. This guy was with the hippies. Yeah, he was He was the guy that... And he had a stuffed rooster and a... A stuffed rooster and a thing. chicken or whatever. Yeah, and a chicken, yeah. So just to give you an idea of the uh, kind of cool, eclectic person he was, creative, a total musician, yeah. okay? These these are my people. I love these kind of people, you know? Right. So, so I said, sure, man, I can help you. He says... This thing holds two gallons, but I mean, just any little bit you can put. I says, I don't know, man. It's like if I'm going to help you, I might as well help you. I'll give you the whole two gallons because we reap what we sow in this life. He says, Yeah, yeah. He says that'd be awesome, man. So I'm filling up this little <laughs> thing and whatever. Yeah, whatever. It is. Yeah. But we start talking and we start talking about music, and we start talking about uh, you know. I start t- telling him my story, and then I listen as he tells me his story. And I realized this is one of those intersections that I talk about. Mm-hmm. A God-determined intersection with another person's life. And I listen to his story, and I tell my story. And we're talking about music, and that's what we get. And I'm able to get in there, the gospel part of that, you know? Just out of pure interest, what was his story like? Uh, were they, like, were they he, he, they're, they're, they're <laughs> vagabond mutants musicians busking on the street corners 
with just a just to get enough money to get they're following the weather. He's from New, he and the girl were from New England, and they met up with their buddy in the Bay Area. And there was some other person who knows where that person was from. So there was like four of them, and they were following the sun. So they were going from, you know, they had been uh, somewhere up north, and they were going to Phoenix, and then to Tucson, and then to Austin. And I've been to Austin. I was able to talk about that. I told them where to go play and busk here in the valley and in Tucson. That's crazy. And so we're talking. I've met guys like that. Like, I had a friend who, not to draw it off subject, but I just find it interesting. These people that just kind of go. And I mean, I've been there at points in my life where, you know, you're unstable and you don't know. But I mean, these are intentional. <laughs> like, I've been in that place in my life. On accident, unintentional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. But they chose it because I don't have a lot of money, and yeah. so I'm going to go where I go. <laughs> but they choose that life. I was with a friend. I had a good friend in the military who like just stopped by Tucson, and like he just called me and a friend up, and he was with like two of his buddies, and they sold everything they had and decided to go to Austin with no plan. Like they just were. What's like, in Austin? Is Austin really cool? Should we? Move I to guess Austin? that's where Austin. Austin is a. It's kind of the new Nashville. It's a it's, okay. a it's a mecca of music and eclectic. And because there's a University of Texas there, young people from all over the world come there. You know that the that whole food trailer thing kind of started there. There's a whole section where they have like probably thirty or forty food trailers. You know, uh, there's just a lot going on there. It sounds fun. To me. Yeah, it's a very very fun music capital. Of the world. Music, yeah live music yeah. mm. anyways I just found it interesting I, I couldn't get over it so you have so no plan you know and some of them are running out of money like you're not even there yet yeah. you don't have any money <clears throat> and you got a plan you're gonna you know just sleep in the van or whatever yeah I'll find something you know yeah. you're alright just totally and I kind of felt like I could have been there like I would have been that guy yeah I feel like the, the military kind of yeah Saved me from that yeah. because I totally would have been like, but, oh, yeah. yeah, let's go. You know, I joined the military when I was 18, and I, even up until that point, I mean, I found myself like couch surfing as far as, you know, yeah. San Francisco and north of San Francisco and, you know, not knowing when I was going to make it home and yeah. not caring, you know. Well, what struck me with this whole thing was. Here it was, everything I've been thinking about and praying about, all of a sudden, boom, I find myself there. I didn't have to overthink it. I didn't have to overplan it. Just the normal course of day-after-day life, all of a sudden, I find myself at that God-given intersection. And I realized afterwards, oh my gosh, I just wasn't prepared for it enough. I should have invited him to the Acoustic Cafe. I could have said, guys, bring your van over to my house. You can crash on my couch for a few days. They were just going to be here for a few days. You know, and then they were moving on. It's like, I need to be not selfish and not so focused on I only do ministry here and there and other places. Do you think those intersections, because you said that <clears throat> it just happened, it's something that you can pray for, just happened, you didn't have to plan it or organize it, it just happened. Do you think it's been happening in your life all along? You're just aware of it now? Or do you think that it's happening now because it's something you're praying for. Or do you think that God... Well, if I could interject there, I think you noticed them, which is key. You saw something, and so you and you didn't turn your back to it. Yeah. So 
that's a big step for most people because those the possibility of that of that meeting happening is always there and i think in that sense it's always been in our lives the the opportunity to to meet somebody and to get involved is always there yeah but with, it's whether we notice it and even have a desire to to help or to do anything that's the biggest part of the battle i think and to move past your own self I don't know, like, I've had problems with it in the past myself, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty good, but I see it in other people too, and that's just the ability to open up conversations, whether it's just getting over the fear of saying, oh, that person interests me. I mean, I'm the same breed as you, James, if I see, like, some busking musicians, I'm, you know, I want to grab a guitar and play with them. Yeah. Um... But sometimes I won't, and I'll hold back. And I'm talking about that feeling where you're like, uh, you know, what? this might go wrong, or yeah. they might not accept me, or they might not. I mean, those are kind of revealing comments, like they may not accept me. But if you think about it, when you don't go up to somebody that you might find interesting, that's really what you're thinking inside. They're not going to accept me, or something's going to go yeah. wrong. Um, but long story short... I think that boldness to be able to interject into people's conversations is a necessity or to get over your own self. I don't know. Well, the way you said it to not go up to them because for a selfish reason, like you might be embarrassed or they may not like you. It's ultimately selfish. Sometimes it masks itself in a sort of false humility where we're, we're not thinking too highly of ourselves. But ultimately, it, if it's fear-based, then it's it's selfish because we're trying to protect ourselves. Yeah. I mean, that's... I never thought of it that way. But it's true. I, I, I mean, because I've met people and I'm like, I don't know. And I never think of it as, oh, I'm just trying to... I mean, I'm trying to protect myself. From what, but the question is from what? Like, so how how much harm can somebody you've never met do to you right. with a with a mean word? Yeah, yeah. It's so, I think it could be. <laughs> yeah, how highly wow. do you hold their opinion? Yeah, big baby from Toy Story Three, big baby. <laughs> we, I mean, we laugh about it, but this is super common. I no, I know, I know. I know. Talk to, I mean, yeah. especially Americans. Like, yeah. in my circles, in this society, you do not talk to people that you don't. No. Yeah. You, know, you really don't. And if it is, it's short and sweet. Go try talking to somebody in Target. Most of the time, it's like, oh. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. And I think when Jesus sent them out, he sent them out in twos. And he said, go into a city and look for the person of peace. And what I'm realizing is what that means is in my world, wherever I'm at, I look for the person of peace. And the person of peace is just the person who shows an openness. Or shows hospitality. In the, in that reference, it was the person who would open their home. So, in other words, I can go out and I can walk through this world, and there may be forty people that I have eye contact with that are on their way. They have no, they have no, absolutely no interest in talking to me. But once in a while, there'll be a guy, be a person who says, "Hey, I dig your hat, man," or uh, "Hey, is that a ukulele you're carrying around?" or Hey, that uh, that dog yours is really well behaved, you know. And I'm seeing if I am that way, then that's going to happen. 
Yeah. That's going to happen in my life. And that, like, the homeless people, I, for so long, had this callous view. And my response, when I was asked for money by a homeless person, I'm ashamed to admit it, was, dude, I have money because I work. I have money because I have a job. You should try getting a job. <laughs> and then you will have money, and then you won't be living on the street. Right, yeah. And that was, yeah, yeah. How, how's that working for you? Yeah. Well, Elizabeth's reminded me as we're talking about all this stuff, James, we were this close to being homeless because you never know what catastrophic event right. might happen in your life. And when what happened, to, I was totally set up for the rest of my life. And then all of a sudden, boom, one day I'm riding my bicycle and I break my leg and all kinds of stuff goes crazy. And it's like you change your paradigm, which becomes your story. And when you listen to someone else's story and then you tell your story, it creates this opportunity for God to reveal his glory. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about finding the person at peace, but there's still, uh, you still, in order to do that, have to like present yourself with the opportunity over and over again and not take a rejection too hard because to find that person, you might have to go through a bunch of others first. Yes. And so there is a, yeah, there is a requirement on, on us to be willing to do it over and over again, put ourselves out there because as a Christian, we should have a strong identity. We should, we should be very confident in who we are because of, who Jesus has made us and what he says about us, we shouldn't have to fear. Yeah. And people should identify us because we're the ones that are loving and not yelling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard. I mean, I don't know. I just because I struggled with it in the past and somewhat currently. Like, for instance, <clears throat> I look at someone who, and I, like Jason and Mary Grace, those people have no, I mean, like, not, I'm not saying they have no filter. They're, they have no forms about it. Yeah. Being like... Yeah, if you described anybody as an evangelist... Like, that would be, be like the, the opposite of what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. those people... They'll talk to anybody... Which I think is awesome. At any time, anything. about anything, yeah. Like, <laughs> I want to be like that. I want to be where I can just go up to anybody and be like, hey, what, who are you? Like, I mean, because they're that type of people. Like, I see them... I mean, especially Jason, because I know Jason more, but... I got to just talk to anybody, you know, and... It was awesome. Yeah, and become, a great opener. Like, become best friends with them within the first five right. minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. like, how do you, you know, how do you just walking down the street, like, hey, <laughs> like, he just runs the show wherever he goes, yeah. you know? And that, so that's like the extreme opposite. Like, I know that's, that's a gift at that point, you know? I mean, to be that good, like, at just talking to people is almost like a spiritual gift for me because that's great. But most of us are, the opposite of that, I think, in our culture kind of creates that. And I think our, especially once we become an adult, like if you think about it, I'm just thinking about my life. Once I get out of high school, once I get out of public situations, I tend to become more, you know, entrapped in my own world. And I think a lot of Americans get that way where they work, you know, guys that work in their cubicles and, you know, when I worked at University of Phoenix, there's thousands of people that worked in cubicles, and you didn't know. You, you could work next to a person for three years and not know what their life was about. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I would sit cubicle to cubicle, and it'd be like rows. It looked like sheep, you know, and everybody's got their computer, and 
I mean, I could pick out like a few people that I knew, but majority of people, like, I'd be like, I'm not, they could be married. I don't know, like, what they do. Like, yeah. It could be crazy cultists or they yeah. could, I don't know, you know. Well, a lot of people work for, in order to have, enjoy their time off by themselves, too. I mean, that's kind of uh, often a primary motive. You're working for the weekend, you're working for yeah. the next vacation, you're working for the next thing that you want to buy or whatever it is. You're not. So they're not in the moment in that sense. You know, but if you spend, I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah. If you spend like years, 40 hours a week together. You, I mean, when you work a 40-hour-a-week job, five days a week, I mean, you start to feel like you spend more time with these people. Especially when I was single, like, I spend more time with these people than I do anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's kind of sad when you look around and you don't know someone that's three feet in front of you that you've been sitting next to for years. You know, and you too, you feel too embarrassed to ask their name <clears throat> because you should know it by now, right? So, 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 well, we had names. So they, so okay, that makes it easier. Good. You know what I mean? You're like, hey, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, John Cavill. It was always depressing, yeah. though. It was so yeah. These buildings were huge. You've seen them. They're really big buildings, just wall to wall cubicles, and you can stand on one end of the building and see all the way down to the next end, and it would just be this huge floor of like. Cattle sheep, yeah, just yeah. all cubicles, and I mean that's cool to see for a minute, but every day for hours on end, you're just like, is this it? Is this? Yeah. And that's what led me here because I was like, it's good money, you know. It was, I mean, financially it was secure, but you feel destined for cubicle world am I going to sit here and die you know in 40 years will anybody notice if I yeah, if like, I die here <laughs> <laughs> like do they just clean my desk up we had a guy on our team die I was like what like, oh. like it was just the next day there was a different name on the cubicle it was they gave somebody else the desk like two days later mm. and it was just like brushed it off and well not everything we is like that we wore black tape though. on our name tags for like a week uh-huh. and that was like <laughs> Sign solder, uh, but not not everything is like that. So no, not, not every experience is right. That's a lot, <laughs> but of it's sad that America. that yeah, a lot of people are are in it's trapped in that way of life because I know that it exists. I know that people yeah. struggle with that, and they have no, they don't get a sense of purpose out of it at all because it's it's kind of soul sucking. And I don't want to say that it's wrong. I mean, that's a good way of life. You make like I said make good money it but it could be what i'm saying is it, it could be easy to fall into that trap that's it just be. that outlook you know you can talk to anybody in haiti and be like shut up like you oh in your cubicle world like it's so <laughs> depressing because everybody's making such good money that mindset is bad and if you're yes. stuck in that it can be very very bad for you Yes. But it doesn't have to be that way. That's the point of what we're saying. Talk to you people can, next to you. Yeah. You, know, or you can get to know. You can reach out and you can you can change your circumstances. You can be the change that you want to see in this, in world, this world, like Mahatma Gandhi said. Another career, <laughs> Dwight Schrute's easiest job in the world. I stay at home mom. Like I talk to a lot, or I talk to my friends that are stay at home moms. I mean, that could feel enclosed. I bet. Yeah. You know, I talked yeah. to a few of my friends that are married and whatnot. What truth is you? What truth is you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I, I just want to repeat that Dwight Schrute's easiest job in the world. And no mom. Ow. Obviously spoken by someone who has never taken care of kids for eight hours straight. But you know what? The you did an excellent job at rolling out and unpacking for us how depressing that can be. <laughs> I could do that. You did. Thanks, Good job. Good. Thank you. Thank you for rolling out. You brought us all Anything could be. I'm but just really excellent at it. Now let's let's shift gears for a second. If if we realize that Jesus Christ was the first missionary. And that there is, is only one mission. There's always only been one mission. And that's God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. And now that Jesus Christ has ascended to heaven and gave gifts to men and released himself into the lives of all of us, we are now the incarnate Jesus throughout the whole earth. The mission is, very, is still the same. Now what if a cubicle guy or a corporate guy, or any place, anywhere, begin to see that is this is my mission field. This is where God has sent me. This is where God has opened up the doors for me to be. I think that it would be a whole different life and a whole different lifestyle. And you could permeate, you could go in, you could be the salt, you could be the light. You could go in, you could find the person of peace and start building relationships and the whole thing could be different. The reason I bring this up because this is what Matt's been talking about on Sunday mornings. This is the, where we're headed yeah. as a church, you know? And it's like, if we've been in those situations, if we've worked in those situations, it gives us an opportunity to encourage and strengthen others to see that as the mission field. Because I, sometimes I think that we get... We mistakenly think that, you know, the John Rusks of the world are the missionaries of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, uh, the John and Debbie Bookers of the world are the missionaries of the world. They, you know, uh, we, we get to be involved with missions if we put together the, the money to go to Haiti, you know, and support the mission that we're working on there. And we tend to think that that's what missions is. That's where, that's what being a missionary is. And I don't believe it is. No. I believe that every single one of us are missionaries because we have Jesus in us and he was the original missionary. Yeah. It is missions, but it's just one tiny slice of the pie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, cause, because the truth is we are all on a mission. We're all missionaries yeah. into, in this world. Well, we could be. Or should be. We could be if we learn to live selflessly. Yeah. You know, if we learn to, uh, Jesus came and dwelt among them. Yeah. If we really learn to dwell among the people in our lives. Right. If, if, we, if we really do what he said to do. Yeah. Which was not to support the work of those that are doing it. Yeah. It was to actually do, yeah. en engage in the work yeah. itself. Yeah. So, yeah, we're that, we are heading that way because that, that is the mindset that we, I feel we, we should have. And that's definitely what God is communicating to us in this church, in this time time period. This is how he wants us to operate. Yeah. Well, I know he's speaking that to me. I'm not saying anybody else has to do it. I'm just saying, in this season of my life, I've been learning to live in the moment. And I've been learning to embrace the season. And I know that this season of my life, it's time 
to actually do what God is saying to do. Yeah. I mean, those words haunt me. I did. I don't know you. I didn't know you. You know, where, where they were coming up to Jesus, at, you know, the last day and, uh, and, and saying, well, didn't I speak in tongues? Then didn't I, you know, cast out demons in your name? And he says, I never knew you. It's like I realized, you know, those who love me do what I say, Jesus said. Yeah. Not understand what I say. Yeah. 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 yeah not not give verbal agreement to what I say. Or stand up and teach the things I say. Yeah. You know, it's like I just realized, oh my gosh. I could actually be one of those ones that stand before Jesus and says, James, who? I, I, I never knew you. You know, it's like, yeah, but, but I, yeah. You know, it's like, I want him to say, enter in good and faithful servant. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you yeah. know. I think that is. Yeah, right. That's how yeah. nice. right. We just have to practice. That, that's we mentioned that earlier. We practicing his presence or whatever. But that's the key. We have to we have to practice. You don't get good at something without putting in the hours of practice. You don't become. That reminds me of the formula for success written by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. Competency plus the right circumstances plus hours and hours and hours of practice makes you a success. Yeah, fifty thousand hours takes fifty thousand yeah. hours. Yeah. That's and that's that's what we need. That's what we need in our Christian walk. That's that's why we have to go day by day, doing the little things over and over again, right? Because we're practicing, we're yeah. practicing, and we're getting better, and we're practicing. And we all have competency in the things of God that God has told us, and and that's our story. We've been talking about the circumstances that we're in, and and how those provide the means to exercise the the right character yeah so but you're saying you have to practice you're saying on sunday and don't wait yeah you know you were saying don't wait for you know i forget the examples you use but it's like don't wait for the pastor or the church you go to to come ask you to do something you know yeah don't wait for i said the politicians to yeah, get things and don't right. wait for the politicians to get it right for sure yeah for real oh uh, uh, yeah you gotta chuckle yeah <laughs> yeah they'll never get it right that's what, <laughs> that's what i hear in the background <laughs> yeah i'm sorry cheap laugh i know it's calculated <laughs> But you're right. Don't, I, don't we don't I have just, to wait for what, those things. What am I waiting for? You know. And what am I waiting for? And remember that it's we do it for a reason, and it's fun. Yeah. Remember why we do it, or why we act that way. Why there, there is uh, such peace, and the reason why we think mowing the lawn is a good time is because we just spend time with God, not because we're forced to or because it's just a good opportunity. You know what I'm saying? There's a, I mean, yeah, there's a joy in it. I like to remind people, you know, you loving others, there's freedom and there's a peace in loving others around you. It's godly. And you realize it as you do it. And it's kind of, it's kind of hard to explain why it really yeah. is. Why do you want to give your money to this person that you don't know? Yeah. Oh, cause it feels good and godly. Oh, okay. Well, give them your money. You, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you know, so there is a, a freedom and a peace and a and a and a holiness and a godliness and and doing these things that we're talking about. Yeah, and 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 James, you started off talking about living a simple life, and I think that unless you can find an element of simplicity about your life, you you can't provide yourself the opportunity to do those 
do those things to discover that joy. Because you've got too many cares and too many things weighing down upon you, too many responsibilities that you're not, you're just not giving yourself the time to find the joy in life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so there's, that's important. And I'm, I'm trying to do the same, same thing in my own life. Yeah. And just being unencumbered. That's how I think of it in in terms of simplicity. I don't want to be held back. by my circumstances right. because of the things that I've chosen to acquire and accumulate or that I think are important. Yeah. I don't want those to hinder me from discovering the joy in life and being able to respond in, a, in, a, in obedience to whatever yeah. God says to do. Yeah. And you know, too many things on the calendar, for example, yeah. can do that. The, the opposite of what we wanted to. It's like, let's, let's plan for the whole year so we can do the seasonal things. Which I think is good, but don't cram it too tightly that there's no margin time. Yeah. Because then you'll get into the busy season, which is already, our lives are already really busy. And then when you add a busy season on top of it, it just creates stress and pressure because you can't load stuff into your schedule without taking other things out of your schedule. You just can't do it. There's only so much life to give. There's only so many hours in the day, you know? Yeah. And so we actually do the opposite of what, what we want. Now, if we're just saying, I'm not going to calendar anything so that I can be lazy, that's not what it's all about either, you know? But it's finding that place of saying, there are seasons. And to every season, there's a turning. And there are seasons in the life of God. There are seasons in the life of a local church. There are seasons, and we plan for those things. Fight and fill with the Holy Ghost, the devil can't.